we're getting married before we get to our 10 year anniversary as a couple. And my, my parents met her mom for the, for the first time when we were there a couple months ago to do some planning. It's going to be in LA where all my family is to do some like preliminary planning for it all. So yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a collision course. And plus I also never used to invite my friends anywhere. So you know, just seeing friends. You never used to invite your friends not anywhere. anywhere. Not, not, <laughs> that's that that's not what I, mean. I never used to invite my friends over to my house, like in oh, or okay, whatever. Okay, so, yeah. like my most of my friends have never met my family. So, it's uh, I, yeah. I relate to that too. I do keep like so much of my life like compartmentalized yes. too. Like I'm able to like, oh, this is you know, this is my one friend. I have like to like combine them together, like the Avengers. Exactly, like, kind of, like a daunting <laughs> that thing. That is, Just, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, yeah, I suffer from compartmentalization as well. That was like the I need to get back into therapy, but that was like the key the key word <laughs> for. <laughs> for my life and that's what we want to communicate on this episode I need to get go back, back to therapy, therapy bud. Yeah. <laughs> like stop appearing on like losers podcast <laughs> like, Tim says I need to get back to yes. therapy closes out of the recording session <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing <laughs> it's like it's like a goodwill hunting where it's just like you know the day I wish for the day you don't show up to this recording <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Well, on that note, let's start the episode. Click. Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to you then. I've been meaning to listen to you then. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Why don't you come over and talk about it? Awesome. Epic takedown of ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what everyone loves, self-deprecation. Just like, oh, man, we can't get enough. Um, But welcome to the show. Welcome to I've Been Meaning to Listen to That, the podcast where we go through albums we've been meaning to listen to and use as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I'm Andrew Ambrose Lee. I'm Michael Lumentato. I'm Harper Thompson. And uh, oh boy, we got a returning favorite here. Like, uh, oh yes, your last appearance was so wonderful, and this was honestly like a, um, this was like an episode that was like not really thought through that hard. Of just like I knew, I just like knew we had like a ace in the hole of just like oh I know when we invite Tim it'll be good on some <laughs> level. So there was that, and like. So, yeah, let's uh, introduce our guest. He writes jokes for TV sometimes in the past. Uh, it's yeah. Tim Bard. <laughs> You're not outing. Happy, happy to be here. You really uh, you know, put a lot of pressure on me in this intro. Yeah. Uh, I hope I deliver. Tell us yeah. a joke. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's always like, it's all, it, like when you uh, perform and the host like really hypes you up. It kind of like it's not always the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're just okay after all that hype, it's like, or when you list a bunch of things and people are like, oh, now they have like some standard for you to li- live up to. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I wrote for all that the revival of all that on Nickelodeon, and so when I started noticing that uh, people would bring me up to that credit, I started to think, oh, I bet part of what people are thinking during my set is. They let this guy write for children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because <laughs> as we all know, comedians have no sense of what's appropriate, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't scale this. There's no possible way I can scale this joke down. <laughs> the last time you were on our show, you talked about Batman's Prince, like Prince's Batman album. And, um, yeah, not Batman's Prince. <laughs> yeah, like, that'd be cool. Very- <laughs> In that universe, like they did like Batman, like, because he's a billionaire. Like he did like a side project yeah. where he did a Prince cover album. But like, um, <laughs> At the end of that Batman, episode, wait, look, Bruce Wayne just purchased X. I'm reading oh, that no. right now. Uh, but it's called it's called Bat now. Everything it's is called Bat. Bat posting. Uh, it's called it's actually called Lex now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, uh, I still um, got it. I still got some funny stuff to say, guys. Come on. <laughs> Michael notably has not written for TV yet, but like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I got all this juice. Yeah, Tim like channels his chaotic nature into these television scripts for all that, and then Michael has no outlet. For, like, this is know. my outlet. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Now that, that's a great thing to pot. yell. <laughs> so, Everyone should yell at some point in their lives. This is my outlet. <laughs> <laughs> and you all better shut up and listen. <laughs> So, Tim, you were on our Batman episode, <laughs> and at the end of it, you said something along the lines. I, we were like, we would love to have you back, blah, blah, blah. You know, the thing we say to everyone. But like, like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I, I only say that to people I mean. But like, um, like, uh, we got, like, we would love to have you back. And you were like, yeah, I would love to talk about Funkadelic or Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And um, so this opportunity came up. And you're like super into talking about like Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. What is your relationship to um, Funkadelic, Maggot Brain, this album, yeah. Parliaments, even all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Parliament Funkadelic is a big part of my whole life, it feels like. Like, I uh, grew up in the same house that my dad grew up in in South Central LA. And it, my dad is one of eight kids. And so every single one of those kids was into a different type of music, like especially like his dad, from what I've been told, used to like love like Chuck Berry. But then you have like family members who are like really into uh, I have aunts and uncles. So it's like Aretha Franklin or like for my dad. My dad is the second youngest. It's like the birth of hip hop. And then you've got like, like the people who like existed throughout, like who were like coming of age during like the intense protest eras and they're you know so you got like motown then you got uh psychedelic funk and then you have that evolution of like psychedelic funk like fusing itself into hip-hop and so at every family function i would hear all of all of these songs more parliament songs than uh funkadelic but then when i got into high school Jimi hendrix was my was my guy and so i got into that more psychedelic sound and i was just obsessed with i truly think i got into Jimi hendrix because we had moved out of LA and then in uh, like high school and like those later years of middle school, everyone's identifying themselves by those, those band shirts that you get at target, you know? <laughs> and for some reason, everyone was, was, and target was just selling you like doors, t-shirts, Beatles, t-shirts. And I felt like everyone was trying to figure out who their person was. And I think a part of that was how I discovered Jimi Hendrix. It was like this fusion of like, meeting, making friends who were more into rock music and stuff. And then just seeing this one black guy from the sixties 
who had uh, white band members as his backup players, but he was still like the main focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something like really um, cool about that. And then realizing like how influential, how like Jimi Hendrix is in this weird sort of like space in music where like, I feel like people don't ever really know how to categorize him, which I love, but seeing how influential he was on even uh, Parliament and Funkadelic. And so that's how I kind of like stayed in tune with all that music that I came up with. Have you guys ever thought that if Jimi Hendrix uh, were active now, he would be hosting a uh, late night talk show host? He'd be a late night talk show host? <laughs> I think he would definitely be like a frequent guest on the Eric Andre show. I think. <laughs> yeah, he's in, yeah. I mean, legally, his name is Jimmy. He has to host a late night show. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, When's Jimmy Iovine going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> that guy's funny. You gotta, you, say what you will about that guy. That guy's funny. Um, but yeah, like, so what, what is like, um, so you, that was your introduction to like Jimi Hendrix and like rock and psychedelic rock. But yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. what about uh, Parliament and like Funkadelic? What was your relationship to them? I mean, it was always playing like, like, so, and, and it was weird. Like there's like, have you heard, you know, the song Aqua Boogie? No, that they have where it's just like these insane lyrics about some kid who doesn't know how to swim and he's afraid and like all these like bizarre lyrics and they are it's like they are fused into my DNA parliament uh, especially like growing up on the west coast like their influence on everything following their influence on Dr. Dre and on Snoop Dogg and all that stuff it's just like it's the sound of like going to to any family function to me listening to to uh to parliament funkadelic and then it's one of those things where the the lyrics they're like dance there's a bunch of dance hits that they have like even flashlight it's like a there's just like a certain type of like party music but then i start listening to the lyrics and i'm like whoa there's some like deep shit going on yeah 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 flashlight is saying everybody's got a little light under the sun like, like mm. it sounds like they're just listing off a bunch of different kinds of lights, but then there's like this bigger uh, message going on throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm constantly, you know, returning to their music. Is it something you just like put on today, these days, or is it kind of just something? Like, oh, that was from my childhood. And I have very fond memories of it. It's something I still, I still listen to. And I, I like George Clinton really is like, I see, I see him in the same pantheon of as like Duke Ellington and stuff. Because these compositions in the songs of like these like weird harmonies, sometimes they're like they're almost like Negro spiritual harmonies, but then this is like a heavy like funk aesthetic underneath it. Uh, especially like uh, what's the one song where they start singing "Swing Down, Sweet Chariot, Stop and Let Me Ride," like all that all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, and I most recently because I think I was like my parents and family and stuff. I think they listened to more parliament than funkadelic on my own. I've been returning to, to funkadelic a little bit more. And uh, earlier this year, I listened to uh, the album that comes out after maggot brain called America eats its young. And I actually think it's one of the greatest albums of our time. I think so many funkadelic albums are like a missing link in music because they aren't talked about in a broader world, I think they, they still like feel like, Oh, this is like black music before certain types of white people cared about it. Or like, the, or like the white people who care about like the funkadelic stuff. They're, they're sort of like the dude from, uh, from the Coen brothers movie. Um, uh, but America eats its young 
and even maggot brain, which returning to listening to that for this podcast, it's like, I can see so many, it's like, it's like they are channeling everything that's on the radio at the time. And then with America eats, it's young. It's like, it's like Funkadelic Sergeant Peppers, I feel like. Wow. Like, yeah, there's yeah. so many, <laughs> like there are songs that are like, I could see Bob Dylan singing this song. And then there's songs like, I can see the Beatles singing this song. And then you realize like they really were defying genre. Like when Funkadelic does a rock song, it's like a real rock song. It's not, there's some songs where you can, like a funk band does a cover of a rock song and you can tell they're trying to funkify it. But they're just like, they effortlessly like kind of ease into all these different sounds, I feel like. So Harper, like, what is your? Uh, do you have a relationship to Funkadelic Parliament at all? Um, I would say not Funkadelic specifically. I mean, I listened to I was I was in middle school. I was super into Woodstock. I know they didn't perform at Woodstock, but I feel like there's a lot of related music that happens. So I definitely would have like heard some of it. Although when in my you know my early YouTube uh, iTunes exploration of that genre. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, embarrassingly, I was also into sleigh bells. And so I would have also gotten to uh, Can't You Get to That because they sampled that song. Um, mm. And so I, I know that I was like, oh, this is good. And then I found the original song after yeah. that. Um, but yeah, so not not a lot of a relationship, though. My relationship uh, is very similar to yours, Harper, in that uh, I was familiar with Funkadelic from... Childish Gambino and uh, Awaken My Love, which is like a very like a modern tribute to this album, like kind of like a more radio friendly, modern yeah. version. Like he references like Vine and stuff like that. So it's like very like, but like the cover is pretty similar. Like it's like kind of mm-hmm. like a clear tribute, like a lineage to that. Um, but I like an album I really like, but I understand the critiques where now listening to this, where it's like, like FD signifier was like, this is like, just like unseasoned funkadelic basically, (laughs) you know, like, so it's like, it's kind of like, that's like really what I knew of it. And I, I knew of George Clinton. I knew of Bootsy Collins, even though he's not on this album. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also cool to like, see, like have like kind of a, you know, you hear all the time, like black people created rock and roll and stuff like that. And you hear that. And I had no con. I didn't. I never listened to a Jimi Hendrix album. I never listened to this before. So it's like kind of cool to have like more context for that claim a little bit. Like, oh wow, this is really awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, because this is like at a time where black people are starting to fizzle out of that rock model like completely. And so to hear this is like an important time to to hear that lineage, especially since I think the year before this album came out, Jimi Hendrix passed away. Uh, so yeah, Michael, what's your what's your history of Funkadelic? Nothing at all. Yeah. Uh as as is customary on this podcast, I didn't listen to this until we <laughs> recorded an episode for this album. Uh anything I've listened to in my adult life, Tim, for context, has been entirely of my own volition. Um, everything else has had to be. I, I grew this. up listening to. <laughs> well, no, I'm serious. Like mm-hmm. I, I grew up listening to Mercy Me, Toby Mac, and DC Talk. So uh, I didn't have like an entryway into non-Christian music until I could secretly listen to that on my own. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that's um, interesting because I actually had uh, in high school. For me, it was really weird that I even listened to rock music or the beat like to my parents 
I think that they were prepared for, you know, what will happen when our son starts listening to gangster rap or whatever. And right, right. Those types of lyrics. But when I started listening to like Yellow Submarine, they were deeply concerned. <laughs> so I had... <laughs> It was like, uh, was it almost famous where the mom, where someone, who is it? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, the moment with the Simon and Garfunkel thing. Right, it was right. Like that for, for me. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> like the points of connection were so uh, distant for my parents all of a sudden, just because I was like tuning into like the rock station and, you know, really getting into Dream On by Aerosmith, you know. Dream On is like, <laughs> this kid's troubled. Uh oh. Okay, you need to talk uh, about Tim. <laughs> this is kind of t- tangentially related, but I promise I will stick to the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, have you guys seen that picture on X of Drake doing that girl's hair? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's uh, like yeah, he's it was like, being memed like a couple weeks ago. I think so. Yeah, is that his daughter. Did he, or is just some, yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's his daughter or not. I think maybe. No, I don't. Know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. But son. Did you see the tattoo yeah. that's like? right here that's new that no one had ever recognized before do you know what I it is what it is <laughs> the beatles crossing uh abbey road with drake being like this a tattoo of drake himself <laughs> waving them across <laughs> abbey road on drake's forearm and everyone oh. was like this is insane <laughs> and it is <laughs> So Drake's with you. He's also probably listening to Yellow Submarine. He taught them how to sing Yellow Submarine based on that tattoo. (laughs) This is my last tangent, but I feel like it's connected because (laughs) we were talking about uh, album covers and thinking about how iconic Abbey Road is. It feels like it's iconic specifically because you would always see it like in a record store or like a place where you're buying CDs. But now that those physical spaces don't exist, is there? Do you think we'll have the equivalent of these like super iconic? Um, I think album, cover album covers are still iconic still, to this yeah, day. Yeah, like, I the, think the so. latest Beyonce, I think. But it's like I don't know. I'm not seeing it in the wild anymore. I'm not seeing album covers in the wild, and that just makes me. Yeah. I feel like mostly if they're like memed, right? I feel like that's where like album covers are going to be like proliferated, as if they're turned into memes. So let's talk about uh, this album and like Maggot Brain, and like also like yeah. speaking of like themes. Like this cover is very iconic. This is a really oh, this cover is amazing, fantastic cover. Yeah. Um, I think it like to tie the themes a little bit because it's like ambiguous a little bit. It's like the facial mm. expression is like, is she like screaming in anguish? Is she like screaming in protest? Is he, she screaming in ecstasy? And then also like, is it a grave or is it like, is it a picture of a, like a black woman being planted to the ground, um, so that like mm. life will like flow from it? Like, is it, is it kind of like this ambiguous, like, but even like the optimistic read of that album's like the cover is still pretty dark. <laughs> like it's still like, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like kind of like, yeah. So like, uh, what do you, what do you think of the themes of this album? Well, just thinking of the album cover it, and the title, it feels like someone emerging out of the ground, like a maggot almost. And it feels like they're going for that feeling of like, um, emergence and this is like the beginning of the 70s and so i feel like that's like a bunch of stuff that's swirling in their minds here um but the themes i think by the i think the the ultimate theme is just like reaching for more space to be absurd 
about the state of like politics and where people yeah. are at, especially by the last song with <laughs> some of the, the lyrics yeah, in yeah. the last song. I feel like that becomes the most apparent. But, but and and still, I, I do think there's this feeling of like channeling through all the different like sonic frequencies of music at the time because they really go through like every kind of it's like it's not that many songs, but they go through like kind of every kind of style of the time. I feel like in this uh, in this album, agreed. Um, I think this album is so uh, interesting for me to listen to too because it's like it sounds very modern right uh even though it is or like you said early 70s like it the the interstitials the like kind of just talking that happens throughout the <laughs> album you know what i mean uh it yeah. feels very like postmodern in a certain sense while still being like very funky very groovy and feeling like i'm almost at like a rock slash jazz show with yeah, like yeah. Somebody yelling, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was just re-listening to uh, Speaker Box, "The Love Below," and that uh, you oh, said yeah. that made me think of that too, of like the sort of like insane fusion of, <laughs> of sounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, that was tangentially related, but no, about no. the album at least. So I wasn't it, talking about Drake's tattoo. <laughs> it's also like you know, like the technology is like evolving, where it's like kind of in the mix, like. You know, like when movies kind of like went from like kind of film to like digital and stuff like that. Like it's like it's kind of like that where it's like on the brink of like kind of like analog to like more incorporating more technology into like the making of music a little bit where um, it's at this weird point where it feels fresh. It feels like kind of like like when the early stages of like, you know. When you watch like Star Wars, like uh, Attack of the Clones, you're kind of like, oh, this looks bad. But like <laughs> start like the original Star Wars, where it's kind of like incorporating new technology, but it's still very practical effects and stuff like that. It looks really good. And it's like kind of like yeah, yeah. there, you know what I mean? Like you're, you host a yeah, Star Wars there. podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yub nub, check it out. But it's, yeah, there, there are certain moments in music where it's like, oh, synth became a thing. And you can tell everyone's experimenting with it. And some people are failing at the experiment and some people are doing very well with it. This isn't, this isn't there yet, but it is funny when those new sort of things enter, enter the wave. I have a couple things that I thought were fascinating to give us the context. We're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. About this album. This out like uh, just a few weeks or a few months before this album came out, uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On was released. So that's an interesting place for, for context of the, of the that, time. That is fantastic um, album. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, Original thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I think uh, it's good. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> to myself. <laughs> Andrew's editing it all the rest of us and pretending he's his own guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, Jimi yeah. Hendrix died the year before, and the, uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated in 1968. So 68, 69, oh. so like three years wow. before this. So that's, that's where we're at as a society uh, when this album comes out. I have like this whole like I think it's like in that context it's kind of like uh, and then we'll get to Harper uh, all right like Harper what do you think of this like what do you think of this <laughs> I guess <laughs> uh, yeah there's a lot going no, on no no I'm sorry um, I'm sorry I just don't want to like yeah like 
No, yeah, I think the the big one for me was just I mean, and again, because this is such because I was you know uh, such a little baby hippie, but you know, like the peace and unity stuff. There's lots of like it's like it's anti-war, but it's also like you know anti. It's yeah, it's it's uh, just about you know brotherhood. Yeah, you know, a lot of that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like the end of. It, like the end of the sixties, I don't, I'm not, and I'm not a historian. I'm not a music historian here either, but you saying all those three things, like, it's kind of like, um, the, it's kind of like the death of the hippie movement and the death of like an ideal. Mm-hmm. And then the death of like the a potential death of like the racial, like, um, the idea of like Jimi Hendrix was like preaching love and like peace and stuff like that. And he was a black man and integrated band and stuff like that like he was the head Mm -hmm. and he died of an overdose and then the 70s are happening and like now we're like kind of like they're kind of like america was at a high and now we're on a bad what now it's like the come down it's like the bad trip is starting to happen and when something like the three instances you mentioned like that stuff like kind of breaks um could have broken their spirits like the collective mm. like african-american like spirit of like um but it's like kind of like no but we have to like evolve we have to adapt we have to like move forward and like maybe take what this person gave us and like move mm. forward into like kind of like to the point where like james brown and Funkadelic eventually um accidentally created hip-hop and then that's a mm. movement that has not been co-opted by white people completely. You know, like there is like yeah, yeah. when you think of rock music, you think of like tell that white to people. Azalea. <laughs> you know? But like she hasn't like succeeded. Like she hasn't really succeeded. Everyone's like she's a yeah, kind of collectively a joke a said bit, no you know? to her. Like like when you think of rock music, you think of the who you think of Rolling Stones, you think of like a bunch of white people. But when you think of hip hop, the white people are the anomalies. Like, you know, you get like mm. Eminem, you get like Post Malone, you get Iggy Azalea and stuff like that. But you can't really, they can't like, <laughs> the, gr- like the great, <laughs> <laughs> but they can't like, t- they haven't like taken over or, and not, they're not really the face of it really. So it's like, kind yeah. of like, that's like what I'm thinking of this album. <laughs> you don't have anything to that. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> the king of the hill. Yep. <laughs> Y'all ever had a yup moment? That's right now. Um, any other themes? Any other like uh, things we haven't talked about with this? I had a hard time, uh, for one, kind of digesting this album. I think it's so like different from what I've listened to. And uh, when that first song is like 10 minutes long, I was like, yeah, Whoa. Yeah. And then the, like every other song except the last song is normal song length. And then yeah, the yeah. last one is really long too. Um, and then also it's not really like lyric heavy. Like you were saying, Tim, you kind of have to look at it and then digest it mm. separately. Because it is very much like, I have a maggot brain. You know, you know, and it's very funky. And then... You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of saying nothing, but I'm trying to express something. <laughs> well, so, there's a well, show about nothing. <laughs> what if I led um, the Beatles across Abbey Road? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking about because I've always thought like uh, the 70s are like, or what the 60s were to white people, the 70s were to black people. Like the 70s was this opening up. And in a way, like you could say like, 
there was a lot of fun happening in black music in the 60s, but the fun was like a very sanitized fun through Motown. And then what you start to yeah, see yeah, in the yeah. 70s is like even Motown having to like, like uh, the Temptations have this song called Psychedelic Shack that comes out. And, and like, like there and, and people like Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder are starting to break out of the Motown mold. And then once disco kind of emerges, this is like black people kind of, kind of like finding a space to have fun that isn't tethered to trying to seem palatable to, to white audiences yeah. in the same that they were in the sixties. And in a way that is just like celebratory of themselves after all the things they had gone through in, in the sixties, like genuinely like having fun and, and opening up a new, you know, sonic space for that kind of stuff. But there's also like a lot of like anguish too. like you're like, again, the end of the 60s and the end of the 60s and yeah. stuff like that. And now kind of the reality is setting in. I'm just like, oh, there's so much more to go. It's like, yeah, yeah. like in, this is that in between space. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 also weird because I um, there are songs in this album that remind me of like Sly and the Family Stone and thinking about how they're also channeling Jimi Hendrix. I know that Jimi Hendrix in some ways was like jealous of Sly Stone because of his, he had a, an, an integrated band as well, but he had a lot of radio hits but while also he, like he was, he was mainstream enough for like white people to love his music, but he was also so accepted by black audiences. Yeah. And yeah. Jimi Hendrix never had that exact same feeling of acceptance from black audiences. So there was some, some tension there. And I think, you know, what we're talking about is how this like beginning of the seventies period is like this in between space of like trying to bridge toward that, just like a space for us to have fun and have like a sound that's purely ours within that fun, not trying to, even though it does become very palatable to white audiences in some way. Um, and, and Funkadelic is always like a bridge parliament and Funkadelic are like a bridge between that those broader, you know, sounds that someone like Sly and the Family Stone can get that gets everyone on board and these more like strange cosmic uh, <laughs> uh, things that are going on with some of the with some of the lyrics. Yeah, try but playing like War of Armageddon at your wedding But even that, that's, like, that's a lot of like... <laughs> With uh, uh, Are You Experienced, there's a lot of like random segues like that that Jimi Hendrix does, mm -hmm. uh, just like weird tangents and stuff. So, yeah, there's just like this, they're, yeah, I think they're like the, like this weird sort of missing link of like music at the time. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, get through highlights and lowlights rather this break. Click. Well, welcome back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here talking about highlights and lowlights of uh, Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. Um, so <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know what that voice is. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, um, I was trying to be cool. But like, uh, let's let's start with like, Harper, what is a highlight song for you? Let's start with you. Yeah, I'm going to go Maggot Brain. Oh. It's the first song. And I I feel like it starts with uh, Mother Earth is Pregnant for the Third Time. And that really puts you like it lets you know what you're in for. You know, <laughs> I, and I appreciate that just right off the bat. Um, and then it's just like uh, 10 minutes of like really cool guitar solo. Um, I really like I don't know, I feel like it's like music to get high to. Uh, and yeah. I definitely had I known about this album in high school, like 
it would have been in my rotation when I was walking home on Friday nights from my friend Steven's house, you know. Uh, <laughs> Steven <laughs> that would have been Every Steven yes. on earth legally has to be the <laughs> I think so, yeah. So we, yeah, we had a lot of good times at his place, watched a lot of, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, and then I would walk home and listen to like, you know, like Nights in White Sad and stuff like that. And so this would have fully fit in with my, my iTunes playlist. Check this out, Harper. It's called <laughs> smoke bending. <laughs> That's the kind of bender I would be for sure. Um, anyway, but yeah, I really like that song. I think it's just like so cool. And I feel like, yeah, like Michael, like going back to your point about how it feels like, you know, contemporary still, like I don't feel like it's like other than, you know, the kind of, you know, groovy statements, right. About like mother earth and all that stuff, like on top of it, which does feel very mm-hmm. of the late sixties, early seventies. The music itself, though, feels very like, you know, it could be off of like a Fortet or a Bonobos album. You know, it feels like it, it could come out today. And this isn't remastered, um, right? Like the Spotify. Is this it? isn't like a. I don't know. Re- I don't think so, because the, the, they did a 2005 version that had three more songs on it. But I don't think that's what's on Spotify. Okay. Cool. Because uh, it yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds incredible. really great. Yeah. It's like the fuzz, like the the fuzz and like the echoes on the guitar on this two minute mark creates this like dreamy, hazy atmosphere. It's like, um, I want, yeah. Like, um, you, you all, you know, y'all know the story about like, this is like, you know, is like, um, what's it called? George Clinton told as Eddie Hazel, he, they were like high on LSD. And he said like, Hey man, like, can you like write us, like make a song where, it's like your mother died and then she's like at, at the end of the song, she's alive and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm butchering the story, but like that's such a perfect rock and roll story, like of a, like the inception of a song and like something like yeah. college kids can tell, tell their girlfriends like while they, <laughs> while they listen to, this, to impress them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and well, I, I should say that although I love all of the songs, I think the uh, the length of this song. What I love about the song is the the Lord of the Rings style intro. I don't know if we should dive too. Are we going to go song by song or what? We could like uh, we'll, we'll, like switch. we could hop around, do whatever, yeah, yeah stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it, got it. But I I every time I listen to it, I have a different feeling. When I listened to it uh, recently, I I the length of the guitar solo, like when it first started, I really liked it, but then I, I, I couldn't help but compare it to Jimi Hendrix and mm. it, it felt like, and I'm sure this was absolutely a tribute to Jimi Hendrix, yeah. but it felt like doing a bunch of Jimi Hendrix sounds, um, <laughs> for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, is this, is this a song, Without, is this a song you like though, generally? Like I, I don't know if I like it generally just because wow. it feels like it's, it's like it's tapping into the Jimi Hendrix sound, but it's not, it's not it, the certain momentum isn't there. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, it feels like very experimental in that way for me. Yeah. I feel like it's, you could totally argue that the more successful like 10 minute solo on this album is uh, the drum solo in Wars of Armageddon. Like mm-hmm. that's very yeah. impressive and goes on for a very long time. It, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, I think, like, the, um, you know, obviously, like, George Clinton gave Eddie Hazel the prompt and he, quote unquote, understood the assignment. But, like, the idea, the other idea was, like, 
it's like about the it could like another read of it is like it's about the death of Jimi hendrix so it's about like this mournful like kind of like our hero is dead and like we're trying to imitate him a little bit but then like the mm. second half of the song is more triumphant of like we're gonna carry on anyways um yeah so it's like kind of like it's like the and the prompt um is cool because you could kind of think of the song that way of like, Oh, like, wow. Like this is the story this guitar is telling, but also you could put your own whatever to it. And then um, it's hit like the, with this prompt, you're able to like reach close to the heights of Hendrix um, by not just like by making a piece of art. That's like about something very specific and stuff like that too. You know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I've never listened yeah. to it, so I can't like it. It does feel like kind of revolutionary to me, just like not having the context of Jimi Hendrix and stuff. So, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, highly recommend the Star Spangled Banner. I feel like that's a really good intro to Jimi yeah. Hendrix, the <laughs> the Woodstock performance. Oh. It's just yeah. yeah, it's a really good one. Uh, Tim, what's a highlight for you? A highlight for me um, is. Uh, is a track number four, uh, you and your folks, me and my folks, very repetitive song lyric wise, but what the bass is doing and like the specific sound of it, it's like the most modern sound I felt like, like hearing this song, I was like, I need to, I don't have a car, but like, I need to hear what this sounds like in a car when you're driving down the street. Like, and you're kind of, that, that sounded like kind of like busting your, your bass speakers. Yeah. Like they really captured this, like, it's just this really cool beat that I'm sure, like I couldn't immediately think of any rappers who've used it, but I'm sure someone must have, but it felt like they got this sound that these days, um, is something that someone would only attempt to do with like an 808 machine or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> but they somehow were doing that, doing that here. It was very, very strange. Yeah. That's my highlight. Yes. My catchphrase. I do agree that it is lyrically repetitive, but the bass is really great on that song. I think it's very hard for me. I've talked about this a little bit before, but like, it's very hard to digest each individual song as like, this is a different song almost (laughs) just because it's also like, I mean, it truly like not to be like too repetitive on this. It feels like I sat down at like a, like a jazz club or something and kind of listened to like a band playing. And I'm having a great time, but I'm not like necessarily like the only reason I know it's a different song is because they like stopped playing and drank some water. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, almost, it kind of feels like you're in like, you know, your friend's garage, you have a band in a way too. Like this, I think what Parliament has always been able to do is get this feeling of like communal fun. Um, and then like you, you slowly realize that, oh, this communal fun is very organized. Like they always do these very subtle things where like the background singers, they don't sound like your typical background singers. They're very important to the song. And then they, they kind of flow from the forefront and then to the back and then to the back again. Um, and even with like sort of, there's always like layers of repetitive things happening in a lot of their songs as well. Um, yeah. Like, but you can get, you get this feeling that like, Oh, <laughs> you had the song, you had the the beat first. And then at some point someone comes up with the most catchy repeatable thing like the you and my folks me and, me and yeah, whatever yeah. it is you and your folks yeah um 
and you get those those moments where you're driving around with your friends and somehow you get this absurd chant going there's a feeling of that going on mm. here i love the song in terms of like um First of all, like you're talking about the background singers, I like how they take on the chorus. Like you can you can yeah. kind of like barely hear it sometimes, like in the mix. Yeah. Um, but it's like there, it's like really cool. Um, I I also like think the the sparseness of the lyricism makes the lines kind of stick a little a little stickier because there's so few like like passages in the and if there are passages, they're repeated over and over. Like. But in our fears, if we don't learn to trust each other, and if our tears we don't learn to share with your brother, you know that hate's going to keep on multiplying. You know that man is going to keep right on dying. Like a big theme of this album is like just like fear being the root of hatred and division and stuff like that. Like, um, like there's a reason it's called like homophobia, like because it starts off benign and then evolves into hatred. Um, like if you think a spider's going to bite you and like, um that you kill the spider, even though it wasn't going to do anything to you. Like, it's kind of like that a little bit. Yeah. And like that, th- that's like one of the big themes of this album is just like, um, they, they're living in a time where they're justifiably afraid and like, or, and people are afraid of them and stuff. And it's like, kind of just like this really, yeah, I don't know. Like it's about class solidarity. It's about like, like that's like the solution to that fear and stuff. So, Yeah. Another tangent here, but uh, I'm sure. You said the I last one was your I'm last sure. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, You're a stop. liar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got? <laughs> like, uh, podcasts, uh, freeform podcasts are not for tangents. <laughs> to, you know, we were talking a little about Woodstock. Yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about legendary guitarist Carlos Santana recently said some homophobic things at a Dave Chappelle show. Oh, no. Show. And that's I the place to, to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you gotta do it somewhere. Absurd. <laughs> like, it's just so absurd coming from someone who was on acid playing at Woodstock and thought that his guitar was a snake for someone like that. Someone who's experienced so many psychedelic experiences to not uh, be able to understand, you know, um, trans people. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, find yeah. that to be absurd. Anyone who's done acid uh, and also is... Uh, <laughs> doesn't understand the concept of of trans people i find that to be strange yeah i think people get very caught up in their own experiences in the silo of how they see the world and refuse to acknowledge that other people exist (laughs) you know it's like (laughs) it's like how that conspiracy theory of like I live in a simulation. I'm the real person. Everything else is a simulation happens or like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen that show? How to with John Wilson. I haven't seen all of it. Okay. But there's like an episode early on where he meets this guy in a grocery store who like really believes in the Mandela effect. Right. And they end up Mm. going to this Mandela effect, like conference. And he says, these are people like John Wilson's like very flat delivery of it. He says, this is the only place I've ever been to where the more forgetful you are, the more accepted you are. The ba- the worse your memory is, the more accepted you are. Like, they've come up with a scientific way to explain having a bad memory. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, like, very similar to kind of, like, that approach that you see, where, like, people are being homophobic because they refuse to acknowledge that someone else's life, brains, or, like, yeah. viewpoints can possibly be different from theirs, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I can speak to homophobia, but I can't necessarily speak to like, <laughs> you know, everything. But that I can talk about. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael, what's a highlight for you? Nice. Uh, 
Uh, I really like uh, Hidden and Quitted. I like the uh, also the bass on this. I like the vocalizations throughout. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's very fun. Uh, again, I did not. I was not able to really digest the lyricism of this album a lot. It was very. This was a very hard album for me to consume. I was kind of throwing myself at it a lot. I listened through it probably like seven times over the course Ooh. of this last week, and I had nice. a uh, extremely hard time uh, kind of finding it in. But the do's were helpful for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. This is the one lyric that's not. It's really like pretty simple. It's about either about sex or it's about drugs. It's one of those. But even like that, like in terms of like you have to like consider the con- the historical context of this song of like um like Donald Glover actually had a great piece like about like he was being interviewed, he was talking about Atlanta and he was like the reason why all the characters like smoke weed is because they have like PTSD and stuff. Like the reason they have like is like it's not it's because it's cool or whatever, it's because they like they're like chronically depressed, <laughs> like all these characters. <laughs> and it's like kind of like this is like you know, it's a hit it, queer song. It's like, hey, sex, drugs, pretty cool. But if it's like just contextless, then it's just like, it's like you have to consider the historical and racial context of that. Even a song like this, too. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's awesome. Uh, I like Can You Get To That? I think it's like, I like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. bluegrassy yeah. elements of it. It reminds, reminds me of Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog with all like the parts. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that bit, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like it as like the end of the 60s, kind of like the um, we thought it was free love, but it turns out like the debt collectors are coming and like, yeah. you know, it's like it turns out like, you know, you signed your checks with like love and kisses, but turns out it came back insufficient funds. It's so funny yeah. and clever. It's like a fun jaunty song, but it's also like ominous and like scary too. Of like. Like, oh, they're going to break my legs. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. and like, I think it's like kind of like the harshing, the mellow of just like, you know, we're hot. Like, we're all high. We're all like, you know, doing drugs and having fun. But remember, you got these credit card bills. You got to like, you know, deal yeah, with this. Yeah, yeah. Like, and also in the last song, too, like the the baby crying and like the dad yelling at the wife and baby while the the psychedelic drumming is happening. I'm just like. Oh, it turns out like, you know, having all this unprotected sex like led to us having a baby and like led to us <laughs> having a job I hate and stuff like that. And I wanted to be a hippie forever and stuff, you know. Yeah, tying love to commerce uh is is a very interesting thing that they that they do there. Uh, let's do high lowlights and then like if there's any straight observations, we could like highlights, we could put them in the straight observation category. Can I can I low light first? Can yeah. I go? Yeah. Uh the last song, uh Wars of Armageddon, that it's too much, it's too a lot. much noise for me. And, and Andrew, Andrew said this on his Instagram story the other day. It ends with literally like a fart chorus. Like what, <laughs> what they edited out of the Barbie movie is what it, they end this song with, right? Like, yeah. I, uh, I just don't like the, uh, like the, it's too noisy. It's, it's kind of doing that same thing that, um, Maga Prane at the start is doing. But it's doing it much more chaotically and kind of like obviously it's thematic, right? I get, I get the, I get what it's doing. I just don't like it. So absolutely, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not a noise. I don't like noise music, and this is kind of uh, encroaching on yeah, yeah. random noises. Yeah, like 
I, I I don't intentionally surround myself with farts, right? It's like, like yeah. it's not like a it's not like a go to song. This is like a I, I feel like this is the difference between like albums that came out and physically versus like uh you know listening to them digitally. Like no one's gonna pick this song yeah. <laughs> anytime out of the context of listening to this album as a whole. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. No You're one. right. You're right. Absolutely <laughs> right. And this isn't going on my like summertime playlist. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next to like uh, Dance the Night, like by Dua Lipa. Right, Dance the Night, yeah. Teenage Dream, Wars of, Wars of Armageddon. <laughs> I loved. Uh, I mean, are we going to go through track by track, or should I, should we dive in as much into these as? Let's dive into the tracks as we bring them up. To that's typically what we do. But if you want to track by okay, track, okay, let okay. us know if you have. There like, we a, go. There we go. Uh, process you'd like to talk it through oh no i wasn't i i must have misremembered from the last time i was on you're fine but, well um, i think the prince I batman love... one was short enough that we were kind of like this is crazy this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> um what is it they so they start like it sounds it's very documentary this this track yeah and yeah. you get this feeling of like you're at a protest shouting you know what do we want what do we want that kind of thing and then there is a sort of like inside joke that emerges where they say like power to the pussy, pussy to the power. Uh-huh. And that, I found that to be hilarious. And like, you can hear them kind of laughing as they do it. But what's so strange is that the, the, there is actual like powerful meaning <laughs> by saying both versions of that somehow. And it, I don't know, it feels like um, it was unplanned. Uh, that element of of the track, um, and it felt it felt like this bridge on t- after all the serious sort of things that are talked about in the album in a number of ways. This bridge into like oh, like black people can kind of be absurd about the protest movement in some way. Like we Ooh. can like there is space to to find the humor of some element of it somehow. And and I thought that was pretty. Uh, I think revolutionary. You, you have yeah. to do that to some degree, regardless of who or where you are. I think there's just a level of levity that people don't permit with certain things, right? Yeah, especially. Yeah. especially I'm. I, I mean, I, I like white people seeing black people being having fun, like <laughs> with something that, <laughs> like something. Like a protest, right? Like that can. But I, I think that's like part of what makes it uh, sort of an important historic document. It's like important to document where different where people were at during this time period. You know what I mean? Like just to, to highlight, like again, that Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" came out the same year. You know an what album. I mean? That's a very, very serious album on those topics. But at the same time, this album comes out, and these are like. You know the weirdos. These are basically the theater kids of uh, yeah of music. Uh, you know, and being able to explore this angle of it as well. I feel like really good related viewing to this album, but this song in particular would be like Putney Swope, which I think came oh, out yeah. in like 1969. That's yeah. a complicated movie, but it doesn't really <laughs> you know it's difficult to talk about. But um, like in a short period of time, but um, it does a lot of interesting things. Looking at like that, like the 
the feeling of that time with regard to like race and sexuality and commerce, right? Like connecting all of that. Cause that's about, um, you know, an ad agency. Mm. Um, but so I feel like a lot of the stuff in this song and in this album really made me think of that movie. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's how it's like to live in my brain. <laughs> it's like, kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, it, it does like, obviously there's a joke, but it's kind of like, that's kind of like though your brain kind of like, has all these synapses and all these kind of like things you're thinking about at the same time. Like you're thinking about like, yeah. I'm horny, but you know, we got to defeat the system, <laughs> but we also like, gotta like, you know, like, you know, just like fart noises and like, just like the comedic element to it. Like you you have this like protest chant in the back of your head a little bit. Um, yeah. So I thought, and I thought like the, um, obviously, Obviously, the farting is uncomfortable and it goes too. Long. It goes like way longer. It's like and they're really like gross, like putrid farts and stuff like that, like KFC farts. But like it's like, um, but it's KFC like KFC uh, farts. Yeah, like you know, you know. <laughs> is that a, is have you ever been? <laughs> let's KFC. pull. Let's pull the zoom. KFC farts. Is KFC the fast food you would say makes you the fartiest? We don't have to get into it. But like it's like <laughs> I do. do. Like, <laughs> all right, all right, wait. but like I do like um like the airplane noise and then like the thudding and then the meowing like connecting to like the the farting and then the fart like noise kind of like paralleling the bomb going off like there's like this like stream of consciousness that's like not complete it is noise it is kind of chaotic but they're like like what you were saying of just like when you watch like a jazz show and like oh it's like it's chaotic but they know what they're doing a little bit. Like it, it is like that. Like, but yeah, I will say like I do feel for Tiki Fullwood. He doesn't like the song because George Clinton put all those sound effects. Like he's like playing for his life, <laughs> and then George Clinton just put all those sound effects on it. Like he didn't he didn't like it very much. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, well, I feel like you explaining the fart noises should be the cold open for the uh, this episode. <laughs> yeah. <this is> like- <laughs> Uh, okay, so any other lowlights of this album? Not really. I liked the whole thing. I'm going to be honest. Thank you for being honest. You're so no welcome. No one's brought up super stupid <laughs> yet. There's not. There's only seven tracks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we didn't talk about that one and Back in Our Mind. We didn't talk about those. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about Super Stupid? Yeah, yeah. Please. Because yeah. I, do, I do like this song. It felt, but it... Four things. These are the things I wrote down in my notes. I'm just going to read them out loud, okay? Yes. You okay with that? (laughs) You have Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Please. (laughs) It felt felt very Lenny Kravitz in a specific way. When I I was listening to it for the show, I was like, I can hear Lenny Kravitz scenes. The guitar solos and like the like screeching like like that's very Lenny Kravitz. But then I was thinking, why am I thinking this? And I was like, oh, yeah, because Lenny Kravitz did a cover of American Woman. And I was like, okay, when did American Woman come out? American Woman came out the year before this song. And this is a like this is like funkadelic. I feel like channeling that. And it feels like a very like this is like the American sound of rock music in the 70s. I feel like this song. Um, and they they pulled it off. I thought. Agreed. But Good I think. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was just like another example of them channeling like what was in the air at the time, saying like, I wonder if we can put our own spin on American Woman. And and I think if you listen to it again, it's impossible not to hear a little bit of that song in here. 
I wrote down in my notes about the song, the doo-doo-doos are also good in this one. And when I write that down, I'm thinking about the melody and I'm so sure that I'm going to remember it later. And then I look at my notes half an hour later <laughs> and I'm like, what yeah. on earth did yeah. that sound like? But you know what? I bet it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sometimes, run into that problem too. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes <laughs> when we're talking about a song, especially if it's not one that popped out to me, like as mm-hmm. someone brings it up, I'm like, scrubbing through it on spotify while we're talking and being like yeah. oh yeah 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 this i'm also like sometimes like when i'm like doing the show like i'm like oh i'm gonna sing it like i'm gonna do it and then oh, i don't yeah, remember yeah. it by the time i'm like, <laughs> like, it's like oh man this is like a- andrew's like long long game to do like karaoke on that he published yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what impress people but like um I yeah, super super stupid is like I, I like I do like kind of that one bit where it's like he calls the person who got like tricked into taking heroin instead of cocaine like stupid, which is like kind mm-hmm. of a little like well, there's a systemic systemic problem there that's like I don't think you should blame that person specifically, um, which is a little bit of a bummer. But I don't I like the idea of like maggots being the like kind of like um, what the thematic territory is like, fear is what kills people, what kills the self, what kills each other and stuff like that. People who look like you or me or whatever. Um, mm. I like that. But like, um, other than that, it's kind of like, okay. Like, I feel like another kind of more generous read of that is like, that's maybe the commentary that other people are having, oh. you know, that like, you know, you're stupid for doing drugs. So like, that's what you get for doing bad, you know, you for doing drugs at all. So, you know, maybe it wasn't from him directly. It's like a kind of more societal character. I like that. Yeah. I felt hot. Uh, the only one we didn't talk about was back in our mind. Like, that's my low light. I think that's just like, kind of like, it's like, kind of like, I loved the, it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I no, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, I just felt like, uh, it sounds like one of those silly, like interstitial things that the Beatles would do in one of their it, albums. Right. Yes. Like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like there's like a an instrument at the beginning that sounds like a triangle. I really I do like that. Like I I liked that. I thought that was good. And obviously like like, low light is like on this album is still pretty good, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say about it? I didn't mean to interrupt your uh low light. Oh um I don't know. it just tells like um, you know, just like you know, the last six songs are just like, yeah, man, things are pretty rough. And then the song, <laughs> and then this song is like, I don't know, we gotta stick together. It's like, totally. kinda like, <laughs> like but I, I uh, well, what is the? I was, I feel like, is this song from the perspective of the maggots or something? Oh. You know what I mean? Like, what is like, what are they? Uh, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about, about here. That, yeah. yeah, like we're back in our brains. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a cool. Re- actually, I didn't think about that. That's like so cool. I only listened to this album for like two days, so like I can't like I can't really like say everything about like I I can't pretend to know everything. Um, yeah. What do you What do you guys think of this song? Uh, any thoughts on this one? I like the instrumentation in it, but it it does feel like sillier than the rest of the album to some degree. I think because of the like effectively the sound effect of like a. Bugs Bunny hitting his head on a pole, like, like is throughout the song. Like, uh, it just generally, I think the a lot of the instrumentation here is really cool in this album. I find, but it's like a little, too, it's a little on the silly side for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I never really put this together, but I do like uh, black people love sound effects. I think there's so <laughs> many. Like, do you, have you heard the that Ohio dance? Player yeah. song? <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you heard the song Funky Worm by the Ohio Players? No, no. It's like the first introduction of this specific sound that it kind of sounds like a theremin. Maybe it is a theremin, but you hear it in so many like Snoop Dogg tracks and stuff. Um, they like we just <laughs> I think George like George Clinton should do the sound effects for a Star Wars movie or something mm. like certain certain artists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like. Uh... Like during like uh, the Java Hut the Hut scene, like um, what's it called? Like uh, hitter quit is playing or something like that. Like when, yeah. when like he's making like all those people band. like dance for him. Like Max Revo and all those guys, <laughs> like you know, like, jazz music. Um, uh, any stray observations? Anything we haven't talked about? Like that you want to point out? I think that's. Re- I had one other thing that. Um, for one of the songs I think we already mentioned it's oh the hit it and quit it song I felt like um do you know the song sissy strut by the the meters probably not <laughs> I think once you hear it you'll know Tim you are <laughs> like do you guys know this song and it's like uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know that song right. well the meters are a funk band from New Orleans and they had this hit song called sissy strut I think they play it a lot in uh in Jackie Brown um, but it's a very repetitive, like funky beat. And I feel like um, Parliament was kind of like, not may- maybe directly influenced by that, but this is like so connected to that exact sound that um, I th- I'm still trying to get that, prove the point that like, this is sort of par- uh, funkadelic channeling through all the radio frequencies at the time and putting their own spin on stuff. Tim, I've definitely heard that song before. I didn't know what that was called. <laughs> you was just letting our guest speak for once. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, I like I one connection I made from a previous album we covered was like I like how the end of War of Armageddon, like, um, like so the bomb goes off and then there's a heartbeat and then like suddenly abruptly like the radio plays and like the 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 child that's born suddenly just thrust into just like a chaotic world. Like, yeah. And like, that's the mm-hmm. message it wants to put out, which is like awesome. That's a cool, like, you know, creative choice. Um, but it's also like this album came out in 71 and then dark side of the moon comes out 73. And like the beginning of that is like the, oh, wow. and then like the, yeah. the cha-ching, 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 like it's kind of yeah, like yeah, a yeah. similar passage to that. So I think that was cool. Yeah. 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 I think you're. We're talking about a connected universe. We should. Uh... <laughs> Nick Fury shows up at the end of this, like, "Hey, I'm building a team. <laughs> like, I'm cool rocker dudes." <laughs> oh. So, okay. so let's go through final thoughts and ratings. Always works is we'll rate this album out of ten with a fun metric at the end. Uh, mine's pretty simple. Uh, it's profound, profane, and prophetic. While also being incredibly listenable, I think like having the two long songs bookend it make the whole thing pretty like listenable. Like I didn't feel like fatigue, like because sometimes like when there's like a nine minute song, there's also like six minute song, seven minute song, you know, five minute song. Like it's like it's very listenable. Like the the other songs are just like two minute, like really like um, 
I think it's, I do like the first side better than the second side. Like maggot brain mm-hmm. to you and your folks is just like a perfect thing. And the rest is like, it's, it's artistically really interesting, but less listenable, like a little more challenging, but still really great. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it, shoot, I'm, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it like a 10 cows moving. So yeah. <laughs> Wow, nice. I guess. 10, very, 10 very KFC parts. I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> is that what you want? <laughs> nice. I uh, like this album. Uh, it is inter- I've We've been doing a lot of music that I've just literally never touched before recently, and I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I'm very pop. Like, I consume pop culture a lot in my day-to-day life, so it's good to, um, I think, get a little bit of history i love when we have guests on like you tim who have the context and can say hey this reminds me of this this reminds me of this that's so uh makes me feel smarter and (laughs) dumber at the same time i feel dumb in comparison smarter than i was before i started right so um all that being said though this was like andrew was saying easy to listen to um very fun and um Good album. I listened to more Funkadelic after this just because I saw I was looking through all their album covers. All of them are incredible. They're so like 70s. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, And so so sci fi. Like I always think like, why did it take people so long to put black people in in the future in movies when clearly like (laughs) like black people love science fiction? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. so all that being said, I liked it. It's not what I would usually listen to, but I'm happy to have done it and would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, I will give this uh, nine chaotic baby crying, babies crying out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really liked it. I um, It's totally my shit. I wish I would have uh, heard this in high school because I would have really liked it a lot back then. You would have said the smoke um, bender joke back then too. Like, like everyone would have laughed. Right? Um, yeah. So I'm going to give it nine out of 10 uh, checks signed with love and kisses. Oh, that's good too. I should have done mm-hmm. that. Like, <laughs> yours is classier. <laughs> and I also love the album and, uh, needing a reason to listen to it again for this podcast was such a treat and talking to all of you was uh, wonderful. Um, uh, I will give it not, I will say that this album knocked up mother earth nine times out of 10. Wow. <laughs> nice. Oh, incredible. Can we just talk about the intro really quick? Cause I wrote yeah, it down because yeah. it does yeah. feel like very much like I love uh, the Lord of the Rings and I can quote that intro uh, by heart. Do it. Like it began with the, it began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarf lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men, who above all else desire power. For then each ring was bound strength and will to govern each race. But they were all of them deceived, for another ring was made. In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others. And he poured into it his cruelty, his malice, and his will wow. to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. One by one, the remaining lands of Middle Earth fell <laughs> okay. to the power. <laughs> 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 okay, now, uh, same vibe. I'm going to say the intro to Maggot Brain. 
Okay. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time, <laughs> for y'all have knocked her up. I have tasted the maggots in the mind of the universe. I was not offended, for I knew I had to rise above it all or drown in my own shit. Mm-hmm. So, gotta say, that's a little, a little <laughs> better. <laughs> a, pod, a podcaster is never late. He arrives precisely <laughs> when he intends to. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to say about it like uh beyond it sounds like lord of the rings can that not be enough andrew i thought you had some <laughs> yeah. profound insight into it like you know. no but it was just like uh i think that there is a level of i mean it's it's clearly a very absurd way to start all of this like it feels very serious but I think that there's also a tongue in cheek nature to it. Just like the fact that it's talking in this formal manner, like for y'all, like saying for, and then y'all have knocked her up. Like mm-hmm, there's so many like, mm-hmm. like jokes and punchlines within all of that. But then it kind of gets a little more, more preachy of this and this need to rise. Like for, I knew that I had to rise above it all or I'd drown in my own shit. And kind of like, it feels like it's embodied, like that is embodying this feeling of, uh, uh, it's like talking about, it was she talks about how Mother Earth has been, her mind has been invaded by maggots. Is that what it is? Every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. But like this, it almost has a sort of maggoty feeling. This idea of like rising above it all or drowned. Like when I, 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 it makes me think of like what is it? What is the experience of being a maggot? It feels very similar to the experience of just like being a fetus in the womb or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Like this very bizarre kind of thing. And that makes me think of the image on the the cover of the album of well, like someone rising out of the of the ground, like someone just like being woken up into this this uh, this strange world and trying to figure it all out. Wow. Yeah. Do you guys so, think Dave Chappelle meant to talk about the experience of being a maggot and just accidentally <laughs> mispronounced it? I don't think he's. Oh, uh, yeah, he probably used a word. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna. Just, I was going to do a very mild defense, but like, yeah, he probably has. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay. And, now, and now he has Carlos Santana to do some squeaky guitar licks every time. He... <laughs> uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. So, so yeah, this is our review of uh, uh, Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. Oh my gosh. What a, I'm so glad we did this album. Like I am so like, just like, this isn't something I wouldn't have like necessarily like initially just reached for like out of my own like thing, but like you bring it up and like, it's such a blessing and your, your, your thoughts on it are so awesome and stuff. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, go through plugs. Uh, Tim, what would you like to plug? To. Well, I have can, a, uh, since, uh, all the social media apps seem to be crumbling, I have a newsletter now that you can see on my website, timbarnscomedy.com, where instead of posting sporadically on Twitter and stuff, I just, email five jokes a day what's that i mean i mean x x or (laughs) lex i I refuse to you uh, mean lex i'm on blue sky i guess if anyone's on that timbarns.bluesky.social or whatever and then um but yeah the 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 Substack newsletter i i email five jokes a day and then i also do like these weird uh I do text message interviews for three days with people. And so when the interviews come out, they're all time stamped. So, you know, it's like exactly how much time went in between each question and answer. It's a very bizarre way to, um, to read a conversation, but I think it like elevates what we take for granted in our text message communication that we do throughout our lives. So 
things like that you can find on uh, my newsletter Substack thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can follow the show at IBMTLTT on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Michael at Lemon Taco on Instagram. And you can follow Harper at Harping About on Instagram and Letterboxd. Sure. Um, Goodreads, right? I'm mostly using Storygraph now, though, because Goodreads is owned by Amazon and mm. I'm trying to be good. Oh. But. <laughs> you can follow Harper at Amazon Prime. Like, her. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Ashley Tisdale, she loves Amazon Prime. <laughs> her wish list. Uh, you know, um, you know, <laughs> buy oil, I guess. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, yeah. The Thompson family. Top off that gas tank, maybe. <laughs> Pour a little extra on the ground for Harper's family. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, you can follow me at Andrew Ambrose Lee on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, email us at I've been to listen to that, gmail.com. And Tim, what song would you like to play us out with? This is so wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. I would like to play you out to The Funky Worm by the Ohio Players. Oh, wow. We finally heard the song. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a good day. She's here, Mr. Johnson. Okay, thank you very much. Granny, they're expecting you. You're a little late, so come right this way.